Awesome date. At some point in the future, I don't even know how to do the awesome date thing anymore, as we never actually release it on an awesome date. But we've been doing this for five years, so by gum, we're going to keep doing awesome date something. Oh, God, has it been five years already? It has been five That's years. That's crazy. You need a mockumentary. We do. Awesome topic. Cheerwine Con, brought to you by the fine people at MTAC. For when you need Anime Con Tennessee, they're your boys. This and is the girls. awesome. And girls. And gender specific, unspecific, neutral, whatever the fucks. This is the awesome cast. Cops, cops, a squad of cream it, cops, cops, a squad of cream it, 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 a squad of Keep saying that. <laughs> uh, I apologize, but it's probably going to Dylan, so... Oh. Well, anyways... On this day, Jesus rose from the dead and made Basil sing that song. <laughs> <laughs> what that was, was back when I was in a choir trip in Germany, I saw the cartoon Cops... No, sorry, in uh, Italy. <coughs> and it was in Italian. And that was the Italian theme song to the cartoon Cops. So do you know it in German? No, but I did see Wedding Peach in German. When I was in Germany, which is important for later. Mm-hmm. But right now, hey folks, it's the awesome cast, along with the Chainsaw Buffet. Whee! So we're going with, I'm Basil. I'm Charlie. I'm Doug. I'm Dylan. I'm Kevin. And that's us. We are here, of sorts, at the Middle Tennessee Anime Convention in 2013, MTAC Devil's Dozen. And it is still really hard to not say the Metal Tennessee Anime Convention. I've been doing that for years now. I, I go, Metal, but it still sounds like Metal. Yeah. And I don't think it's ever going to change. Alabama accent. No. Broadcasting from the Ar- Ar- Armored Podcast Bunker, 50 miles below the Earth. It's the best anime convention to come to in the middle of Tennessee. Yes. Well, you know, as there's a bunch of anime cons now in Tennessee, that's actually saying something. Well, I, I said that casually, but actually, this is probably is one of my favorite anime conventions in the region. Like, l- largely because I've reached that awkward age as an anime fan, where it's hard to go to anime conventions that focus too much on the teenagers... And it's hard to go to anime conventions that focus too much on the older adult, like the older old school fans, like the, the Basils. Yeah, the, the the people who only <laughs> like things before I before nineteen eighty four, which was the year I was born, thus dating me. The Basils. I am not that much older. The Basils. Well, it's th- hard to be a fan of Slayers and Cowboy Bebop these days. Yeah, yeah. If you're a fan of Slayers and Cowboy Bebop. And that's and that's where and that's where you got into anime. For so a lot of conventions, it's hard to go to an anime exclusive convention and feel at home. But MTAC actually manages to cover that. You know, we've got the teenagers here who are clearly having a good time. We've got 
my generation, who's here and is clearly having a good time. And we've got, like, the Basils and Kevins, who are here, the older fans, and <laughs> clearly having a good time. You We're know, the same generation. Get off my lawn yeah. with your Naruto's and bleaches. And we've hey, got the Homestuckers who are here solely to annoy like, everyone else. I bitched for, like, two hours to con staff about Naruto's and bleaches. You let me go. <laughs> and bleaches. That's how you remove traces of DNA in the tub. <laughs> no, it's not. That does not break down DNA. <laughs> you heard it from the expert, folks. <laughs> Says the geneticist. <laughs> so, as is MTAC's want, it's on Easter weekend. As they tried it, what, is it now the third year in a row they've done Easter uh, weekend? Yeah, I think so. I believe so, yes. And Jesus is and they keep the growing. Time. Yeah, they keep growing anyways in spite of it. So they're going to keep going. It's also the second year that they've had it along with the full moon tattoo convention. Well, there was also a horror convention that they were having it with in conjunction this yeah, time. That's right. Yeah. It's full moon tattoo and horror convention. Oh, the, the same convention. Yeah. Right. Tattoo oh. and horror. Two things that go great. Well, actually, yeah, I do. Yeah. I think that there's a definite synergy between the two conventions. I think one is slightly geared more towards the people who self-identify, whether it's true or not, they self-identify as being a geek or a nerd. And uh, one is geared more towards the uh, intellectual, well, not intellectual, um, hipster, hippie, I don't even know what my little sister would call herself, but I can totally see my sister going to the Tattoo and Horror Con and me coming to the Anime Con and it working out. That's it is a good combination. Hipster, but... I get what yeah. you're saying. Well, yeah. they, I mean, they, they've got very, you know, since they've, get, they've got largely very different demographics, is it, is it but there indie? is just enough crossover. No, I don't know what you call it. There's, there's just a, there's a, there's a little bit of overlap. Yeah, and and it it, it makes it, for a good combination because they're not treading on each other's toes. Well, they're actually complementing each other. Yeah, it's actually a very good synergy because I've talked to I've talked to a bunch of people at this convention just kind of randomly, uh, and they mentioned that. Hey, there's a tattoo convention going on, and part of the things they give away at their panels are, like, free tattooings, and then they hold, like, contests later for the best tattoos by a certain person at this convention. And they're like, I'm gonna get a My Little Pony tattoo right now! And Those poor, poor devils. And that's it's... awesome that they have this opportunity. That is the worst impulse buy ever. <laughs> there cannot possibly be regret later on. <laughs> Hey, I- Granddaddy, what's that little blue pony on your tramp stamp section? Oh, it's Billy. Rainbow. Hey. I mean, it's Unico. When it's I- Unico. When I was 15, I really wanted to tattoo, like, Zelos across my forearm. And I have thought, like, and I would often draw it in Sharpie and, like, really fancy font across my forearm. And I look back at that decision of what if I had actually gone through with that and tattooed Zelos across my forearm. And I've come to conclude that I would think that was a really fucking awesome decision. I would still be proud of that today. I'd be like, look at this. I tattooed an anime character's name on my arm for no apparent reason. (laughs) I think it would be a great decision. And only at Impact can this be done. True. I don't know any other place you can get that. You can make that happen. Now, this has sort of been a year of transition for MTAG. This is the mm-hmm. first, this is the second year they have been in the convention center in downtown Nashville. I know they broached over 10,000 attendees. I last, know that was last year their, this year? No, this year, this year. I was talking to a guy just a few minutes ago, and that's what he told me over 10,000 uh, attendees. 
And so I think this year it's been interesting in that they obviously had learned or they learned lessons from the previous year and they tried to adapt to those lessons. Mm -hmm. And I think in some ways they very much succeeded in some ways it didn't quite work out. For example, last year they tried to put, they put the artist alley up on the second floor uh, through all the thoroughfares, mm -hmm. and they tried to make that a thing, and all it did was really clog congestion. It did create some choke. But now, well, that, Impact has kind of always done that. Yeah, but that said too, I, have, I there are some people I know that have complained that the artist's alley isn't there mm -hmm. because there were, they liked being able to walk around the artist's alley and people watch at the same time, and there was a lot of foot traffic. There, there were also complaints last year about uh, some of the artists being in front of the stage where. A lot of the musical acts were like. Well, I, I feel this case that they could not have done that this year. There no. were so many people here; no, it would, it would not have fit. Like you could, you know, it was still issues getting around in that second floor. Yeah, but that was just because there were so many people, and you can't fix that. But no. if you try to throw in tables on top of that with people hawking wares, it would have made it impossible. Yeah. So yeah. there's no way you could pull that off anymore. No. And so what they did was they put it downstairs in their own. Um, a giganto room, much of the dealer's room. But that caused its own problems, I think. Because every time I've been in there, very little foot traffic. Every time, every time, for every convention I've been to, unless you have, like, unless you're a convention the size or scope of Dragon Con or, uh, or Comic Con, and you actually have an industry of artists there that are trying to sell their, like, like straight up art, and they like have like a they are a, a straight up artist for comic books for like graphic design, you know. Unless they have like a true, uh, unless they have like a true like classical sense of the word art that they are trying to sell, the artist alley is just by its very nature going to be less full than the dealer's yeah. room, odd, which is kind of odd, especially for this con because um, as Basil noticed when we were going when we were briefly going through the artist alley. Um, more and more artist alleys are selling, they're not just selling pure art. They're selling a lot of craft work, a lot of yeah. homemade work. Um, I think, I personally think a lot of that started when, uh, conventions started saying, okay, you can only have so much that it's fan art for sale. The rest of it has to be original art. Yeah. And a lot of artists, if they weren't able to produce that original art and have it sell, it was suddenly no longer profitable to have an artist alley table, but if they were just kind of like into, if they were able to produce a lot of a craft, yeah, it was suddenly very valuable. Well, and steampunk, steampunk played a part in that, I think, as mm -hmm. well, because that's when I, that's that's another time that's part of when I started seeing a lot more crafts as well. Is like, yeah. and like not just the props, but like the jewelry, all the steampunk based yeah. stuff, because you could go to the junkyard, pick up a bunch of crap, hot glue it together. Yeah. And you've got something slap, you can sell. Slap a pressure gauge on it. Yeah. Put but, a gear on anything. Usually, there's like a balance between the crafts and the yeah. gear art. And in this con, it was the balance was way more shifted to the craft, more yeah. so than I've seen at other cons. Yeah, yeah it, it yeah. seemed much more like the artist. Like there were several artists oh, in yeah. the artist alley, but it seemed like they were dwarfed in comparison to the number of like people who were who were producing a craft and it was a nice product and a lot of times it was better than what was being sold in the artist alley. Not not artist alley, in the uh, dealer's room. But what was being sold in the dealer's room was more of your like professional level like 
kimonos were being yeah. sold in the dealer's room as opposed to Artist Alley. There were a couple people in the dealer's room that I really thought... Should have been. In Artist Alley. Yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, uh, I get it. You, I mean, maybe you probably paid more for your table you because yeah. you wanted the foot traffic. At the same time, what you're doing is, like, because there was at least one person that I've seen them in the AWA's Artist Alley. Yeah. But they were in the dealer's room here. Yeah. And... You know, I really feel like the distinction should be, if you bought it to sell it, you're a dealer. If, but if you, you created it to sell it, you're an artist alley. Yeah. Well, I, but at the same time, because, and especially at an anime convention, the dealer's room gets so much credibility over yeah. the artist alley, and a large part of that is because an anime convention is kind of all about the imports from Japan. You know, what came over from Japan. Yeah. So the dealer's room seems to have more credibility than the artist alley, even though that's not true. Even though most of the stuff I wanted to buy was actually in the the artist alley. It was made by people here in the United States. I do tend to find also like, yeah. more stuff in the artist alley that I like than, than the dealer's room. Because, like, I, again, I think it's just a situation of age. I've just gotten so old that I don't really want to wallpaper my room in wall scrolls and I don't really have as much of a use for figures as I used to have. So now the things that interest me more are things that people have made. And and MTAC kind of did something that I first saw at AWA, which I thought was a brilliant idea, but I don't think MTAC fully uh, utilized it, which was, to, and this is to increase traffic flow, was putting concessions in the back of Artist yeah. Alley. The problem is they also put concessions in the back of the dealer's room. I think they should just combine the two rooms. I and I thought that was originally well, what they, they were did doing. last year. But no, it was very, no, well, because they had the the artist alley up on the. Oh, that's right. I'm it, no, what they like did the, last uh, year, they they put the promo tables yes. and the dealers room in the same place instead. Now all the promo tables were in that downstairs yeah. floor, right. which was a much better plan. Yes. I think that worked out, and the the only thing that I think is is not working out as far as like the table locations are concerned is I really do think that artists that for the level of artist alley tables that Impact had compared to the number of dealers that Impact had. And the sizes of the spaces that both were in, I think they really would have been better off just combining the two. I kind of think so too. The yeah, only I the only agree. issue that they could have avoided because they had this last year, and I think they could have avoided it knowing that it was an issue. At least I thought it was an issue with the setup they had last year was that you had to go through a large chunk of the dealer's room to the very back to get around to the exhibitors' hall. Which, if you were in a hurry, like oh, you know, I've, yeah, I've got to go record this or an event. Unless you know, if, unless you try to force your way through an exit, the exit in the exhibitors hall, you were really having to to race. And if it was a the dealers room was busy, it was going to take you a while. Like that was a major issue. But I think one room would definitely have been a better. It would have. It would. It, it. I think it would have. Yeah, it would have increased traffic flow. I think for the artists and like, because the biggest problem, and it's something that's really hard for MTAC to deal with is the fact of how the convention center is set up, where it's a basement-level system, hmm. where you're go when you enter, you're going down three floors. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the dealer's room, I guess just where their giganto rooms are, the dealer's room has to be on the bottom floor, Yeah, where all the really big panels are on the second floor. You're the one above it, and then the actual like Quiznos and concessions that you just normally walk into is on the top floor. Mm-hmm. And you had to go down into it. And because you had to keep going down into it, the bottom floor tends to get, you know, the least overall amount of traffic because it's the most amount of work to get to. 
But at the same time, you also put one of the bigger draws down there because, like, Momocon did kind of had the same thing. You know, the the lowest level was the dealer. That's level. true. My observation has always been that that lower level is packed more than anywhere else, and I I believe it's because that's where the dealer's room is, and so and and there are panel rooms that are going on right around there. But they do have a concession stand set up there. It is where the dealer's room is. It seems to be where the largest number of people is congregating. And then they're coming up to the second floor if there's a panel on the second floor that they want to go to. Yeah. Or they come up to the first floor if there's a, an event on the first floor they want to go to. So what I've noticed is it seems like more everyone's sort of congregating in the, down, in the downstairs, but only in the downstairs area. And not as many people are going into the dealer's room. Oh, you yeah. think so? And of course, you had all the con booths out there, so yeah. there was always stuff yeah. going on. Like, but yeah, but it also still had so many more of a destination. That was, a, I think, it was a good idea. But I just noticed that it was a lot of people were circulating that bottom floor and then the one floor above it, but not everyone's going to the dealer's room. And I possibly wonder on the first day, Imtech um, for the longest time has had a no bag policy in the dealer's room. Yeah. Well, apparently, I think it's not. Even, it, this is not a new thing. No. It was just, there's, and it's not, ugh, I cannot talk today. And there also is not a new thing, is, you know, no more bag check. They used to do that back in the day when they were smaller, but they're now so big, it's a logistical impossibility yeah. to do a actual bag check anymore. And unfortunately, on Friday, on the first day, their solution was, well, you we will hold no responsibility for it, but you can toss those bags to the side. In the corner. In the corner. Of the main floor. Of the main floor right before the dealer's room. And kids were doing that, but it just made it look really bad. I would not have done that with my purse. Like, if uh, the con that you and me are, are are working for hadn't had a table and there hadn't been somebody who agreed to watch yeah. my purse, I would not have left the, my purse in that pile. The best setup like, that Impact ever had was at the, the, music, the Sheridan, music City mm-hmm. Sheridan when they actually had a... Room where you went up to the counter, you could check your bag, and they right. pulled it for you with like, your name on. Even after the first year of the Sheridan, they were so overwhelmed people checking their bags, they ran out of space to check their bags in. Uh, you know what Dragon Con did? That at first I was like, "Why are you doing this?" But in retrospect, I've come to realize that that's actually not a bad idea. Is they zip tied my purse? Yeah, I've seen that. They 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 had me take out my wallet, and then they zip tied my purse. At, uh, and I would agree to that. That I've, is okay. I've seen them also. I've seen other conventions also, like if, for like small bags, stick them in like plastic grocery bags, and then zip tie those mm-hmm. as well. And that, I mean, it, it achieves your goal. Yeah, I've never heard me complain about that. I mean, granted, that's an extra. You, you got to find, you get the bags, you got to get the zip ties. Well, I, I zip ties it, are not expensive. No, I know. At some point, MTech had a box, and if your bag or purse or whatever fit in the box. You could take it in. Oh, really? But if it didn't fit in the box, you would have to go stow it somewhere. We're going into the dealer's room. I don't know what happened to that box. I don't know if they're using that box this year. But that would be something where if it fits in the box, great. If not, zip tie it. I yeah. just think that's that's really an unnecessary security decision. Like, I understand why they're doing it, but I really think it's unnecessary. Again... Because of ladies' purses. Well, and the they issue, are big, and every woman has one. Well, and the issue for a convention, like for us, 
we probably don't necessarily think of this because we get rooms at the con hotel, so if we had a bag with us that, oh, we can't take that in and we didn't want to check it, well, we can run it up to the room. Yeah. There are a lot of people that are essentially commuting to the convention. They have, you know, they got a backpack. They got everything in there they need for the entire day. They can't mm-hmm. just necessarily stow it. I mean, well, they might take it out to their car, but depending on the situation. Barry, who I just yelled at earlier, he doesn't normally carry a purse around, but when he goes to a convention, he carries around a backpack that's full of, like, his chainmail projects, his camera, his iPad, like, everything he might need in the unlikely event he gets bored, just in case, because he's going to be away from all his other sources of entertainment. But you love him. I do love him. I love him so much. You can't believe it. But, uh... (laughs) But he does carry around a book bag at conventions when he doesn't normally carry around a book bag. And again, it's the same issue of, of course he's carrying around that book bag, and of course he's not going to want to leave it somewhere. Sadly, unfortunately, the reason why they do this, obviously because theft was a problem in the past. Yeah. Yeah. And I know this year, the place that I work, a retail establishment, theft has been higher than it has been in years. So the real solution to bag check is people need to stop being douchebags. Yeah, stop stealing people. That solves so many problems in the world in general. Just stop I, stealing. I only, I only have one rule in life. It's so hard to get... Don't be a dick. If you can follow that rule, there's no need for any other rules. That is the golden rule. Don't be a dick. Tell me a problem that can't be solved by... Hey, don't be a dick. Oh. Uh, I really you... need a hard dicking? Well, don't be a dick. <laughs> Because then you can't, okay. you can't dick a dick. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Fair All enough. Right. <laughs> dick, dick. Dick, dick. dick but dick, I, I do dick, think dick, dick. combining Artist Alley and Dealer's Room would be a good idea because I also didn't know Artist Alley really felt a little ghost towny. Yeah. Mostly because they had that giganto room for it that was the same size as the dealers. Well, they were trying to have other events in that room, too. Like, they were trying to have, like, the, uh, they are having, trying to have, like, the foam, like, the boffer yeah. sword fight arena in that room, too. Yeah. And I think that was a draw for a certain crowd of people, but not for everybody. Mm. And so that's part of why it was ghost town. Like, probably well, those same people were staying in that room the they, whole time. And they had those stages set up. And I, and at first, when we first saw that, we were like, oh, maybe that's where they're going to, where they had, like, where they were using the off-main stage last year. Oh, they're going to put, like, some of those smaller concerts down in the artist alley. Okay, that could that could generate some foot traffic. But then they they kept those concerts in off main, so yeah. that and I don't know in my mind and I could be completely wrong about this because you, you may be right, Basil. But in my mind, it's always that the dealer's room is the biggest draw, like that. Other than other than autograph lines, which are a lot of times in the dealer's room, mm-hmm. the dealer's room is your number one draw. And then if you want foot traffic anywhere else, you you start with that assumption that everybody's going to go to the dealer's room at some point. Now, how do we make you go through everything else to get there? But I, I think would be a good way of dealing with it would be have artists on one side and dealers on the other, but the middle space be that event space. Hmm. Mm-hmm. That way, yeah. you, that way, you have the event space to separate the two, and then you would put you would also have two entrances and exits mm-hmm. right there, and that way you get better control flow, and people have plenty of space to walk around in. But because you can set up the event space to to balance the artist alley dealer's room. It wouldn't feel like a ghost town because what you really had was you know these these artist alleys and then all the space in the back and it was for other events but not 
I never saw events going on when I went step back there. Yeah. But I think if it's like an obvious event space that's in between the two, I don't think the the appearance would be so bad. Yeah. The only reason you should ever, in my opinion, have your artist alley in its in its own room by itself. There, there's only two purposes. So you can lock the room, and if you're going to leave the artist alley open longer than the dealer's room. Yeah. Otherwise, why not just put it in the dealer's room? Especially with the high increase in crafts. Mm-hmm. Like, um, however, on a positive thing that I really like the table placement of, uh, the table placement for the events, like for other cons to advertise themselves, was really good. That was excellent. Uh, and also, I really liked the placement for the, the charity tables. Yeah, that was good too. Like, I spent actually a really long time at the chair, at, uh, the charity table Oh gosh, I want to give them a plug right now, and I, I I'm so terrible with names that I'm blanking on it. I think it's a. What do they do? Barry, can you remember the name of the place that I sat at for like hours today? Oh, uh, Timmy's Cats. Timmy Timmystones.com. Yeah, Timmystones.com. I sat there for hours. I just, I just loved that so much. It was basically it's this charity that is trying to raise awareness about. The fact that most over-the-counter, like, insecticides that say that they kill fleas have pyrethrines in them, in them. And pyrethrines are, like, lethal to cats. Like, they kill cats. Like, the cat liver is just not designed to tolerate that. I actually had a run-in with that where I clearly misused a product. I used a dog flea and tick shampoo on my cat. And then, as I was reading the back to see how long I had to leave it on the cat, read, not for use in cats, and very fine text on the back of the bottle. And I was like, oh shit, what do I do? Fortunately, my cat was okay. But, like, I think in Timmy's case, um, she she didn't misuse the product. She misused the, she used the product exactly as it was written. It had no word about being lethal to cats whatsoever. And now her cat is slowly di- dying of a... is slowly dying of a... Uh, of a neurological trauma caused by the pyrethrines. And so she's tra- she started this charity to try to raise awareness about the lethality of pyrethrines. And one of the things that she's doing is, say, here at this anime con where we have all these creative people, she would have people come and sit down at her, sit down at her charity booth. And you, you could either buy things that people had made, or you could paint a little stone. And I think her plan is then to sell is like to sell the stones for like a minimal fee and then have people place the stones, you know, around the world and just basically generally raise awareness, you know, by painting little stones that are cute and fun to do. It is a cool idea. I've been meaning to go by that table. Yeah, I keep I, forgetting. I I love that table. I also noticed there's another table Unfortunately, at that point, I had spent, like, three hours painting stones, so I didn't have any more, like, get-into-the-craft thing left in me anymore. But there was another art... There was another, uh... There was another really great little, like, charity table that... Again, I'm forgetting what the charity is called, but it was trying to raise, uh... It was... It, it was, uh... It had this... It had this gimmick of, like, draw your own bookmark... Hmm. And like they, she had, she had cut, she had pre-cut out these little like sticks of like car- cardstock paper. Oh, that's cool. And uh, she had uh, most of them were in white, but there were also a bunch in different colors. 
Um, and I know the purpose of that charity was to try to get kids to read. It was to try to get, you know, elementary and middle school kids just to read a book, to pick up a book and read it. And that's a wonderful charity. Mm-hmm. And uh, if it costs me time to draw a bookmark, I'm more than happy to do so. Uh, except I just spent three hours on cats. Probably tomorrow I will... Probably tomorrow I will be drawing some bookmarks for kids. But uh, uh But you know what else was here at MTAP? It was great placement. This is oh, my main point, is that, that all those charities were in great placement. In an amazing place, and an amazing product, designed for all ages. What? Cheer wine. Because yes. sometimes your soda needs a little cheer. I, I, I've spent a couple days at Cheer Wine Con brought to you by MTAC. Why yes. is Cheer Wine here? Because it's the most delicious soda in the world, it, and shut up. It it actually is really good. Like I, I hate to say that it's better than Coca Cola, so I won't. But but, it is. but it's delicious. But yes. it is very delicious. I will not say that it is better than Coca Cola. But, but it, it is, is delicious. delicious. And oh. and Diet Cheer Wine is on my top list of diet sodas that taste almost exactly like the original. I will freely and happily say that it's better than Pepsi. Oh, definitely. And yeah. I haven't even tried it. <laughs> yeah, but freely it's neither and happily, I'll say that. Wine. It is as, cheerful. You are least, mistaken, sir. At least it is cheerful. Diet cheer wine is still actually diet. It is still cheerful. You are mistaken. Mm-hmm. It's true. If you think that it is not cheerful, it is absolutely. What now? What kind of flavored soda is, is it? Like a dark cherry flavored soda? Or I what? have a clue. It tastes like awesome. It's <laughs> I, 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 I before they came, before favorite, they actually so came out with with cherry Dr Pepper. That's that's what it was in my mind. Is it tasted a lot like Dr Pepper, but with with more with some cherry flavor in it. Slightly different. All awesome. Probably some background to explain why we're pimping Cheerwine so hardcore when they are not paying us a cent is that Cheerwine had set up um, right outside of the little section where they were letting all the people who have podcasts and other media things do interviews with the guests. They had set up. They had set up a, a, a the, the Cheerwine. They had set up the Cheerwine stand. And many of the guests ran late for, you know, for reasonable reasons. Uh, you know, the, the sort of reasons that, you know, when you, when you are into the business of, uh, getting interviews, you're used to these reasons. Uh, but while we were waiting, you know, people often got thirsty, and hey, there was the cheer wine vendor right outside. They didn't seem to notice if we came out every 30 minutes and grabbed some. And I don't think it. they cared. I really, I really, I mean, I, I honestly, because I told them when I first, I'm like, I am, uh, I've told people I will spend the next 72 hours at your table having free samples, and they were fine with that. Oh, okay, drink so all. they knew. They drink were all you can take, but take I, all you can drink. I, I drank all the cheer wine, and it was, it was delicious. Like, there were several times that I was just passing by, going from one place to the other, and I was like, oh yeah, and the cheer wine stand, and I grabbed some and drank exactly. it. It was free soda. And it was wonderful. It wasn't much. Like, it was probably like a fourth of a red cup. Yeah. Is what they were giving out. But that's, that's enough to like quench the immediate, I'm thirsty, chug chug. That's enough and to distribute what they're really testing to the convention. <laughs> I don't even care what it is. It could be crack cocaine. I do not care. It is delicious. <laughs> and apparently, MTAC has, has, 
I think someone had told me that they, they've been trying to get Cheerwine. This isn't the first time they had tried. Well, you know, I, I actually... It took me a while to remember it. But I remember now that I have actually bought a case... I have actually purchased a case of Cheerwine soda in a can before. And I had it. And I loved it. But I didn't buy it again because my soul is owned by Coca-Cola. So... The only reason I actually bought it was because Coca-Cola was, like, outrageously priced and not on sale. And then I came back, and it was on sale, so that is what I bought again. I will concede that Mexican Coca-Cola is is a delight. Um, the, the beauty of Cheerwine for me is that when I was a kid, you could get it where I lived, mm-hmm. and then it just disappeared for, like, a decade or two. Yeah. Don't know why, but then it showed back up. And everything was good again. Well, it is that lost part of my childhood, and when it showed back up, I was just so happy to hug it. For me, the magic of Coca-Cola, and why I am owned by Coca-Cola, Lock, Sock, and Barrel, is because my family is one of those southern families that, when Coca-Cola went public, it said, Hey, hey, wealthy southern landowners. You want to buy Coca-Cola stock and get through the Depression? And we said yes, and we got through the Depression. <laughs> now, we are in Huntsville, as well as, you know, Atlanta. That's all cola cola co-country. Cola-cola country. Yeah, like, that's that's the people they approached. That's... Yeah, Which is weird, since Pepsi is also Southern. Well, my family is, like, even more specifically from, like... Like, my mother's side of the family is more specifically from, like, the Auburn-Opelika area. So you can see how you were targeted even more by, like, the 1930s Coca-Cola company for investment. Hmm. So, it's really important to me that Coca-Cola does well. (laughs) I can see that. But that's an anime con. Oh, yes. Well, there was an anime convention? Well, sometimes it was kind of hard. I would have missed the fact that this was an anime convention due to all the... Cheer one. Doctor Who cosplayers, Homestuck players, cosplayers, My Little Pony cosplayers, Adventure Time cosplayers. That one guy in the SWAT Cats costume. Uh, There was a... What? There, really? there, yeah. there was a couple of Animaniacs cosplayers, like a like a whole oh, group of the three trio. There was a Hoggle cosplayer, all a bunch of really great costumes. Yes, we had a Hoggle. I don't even and know I what that is. It. Now it was really funny Flash at Beaver. some point where I was. Did he have a walking with, with Kevin? And I'm like, Kevin, what does this look like? A Doctor Who convention? And I realized, as I said, that we passed two a, cosplayers. Two cosplayers, and I think possibly a Dalek. And I go, okay, this might look like a Doctor Who convention, but it's not. Well, I actually really, I missed the portable microphone that we had at one point. Because at a certain point, I really, like, and I'm not even trying to be mean when I say this. Like, You're just I, naturally mean. It's fine. Yeah, I'm, I'm just normally a bitch. But, <laughs> but I, I wasn't even trying to be mean, but I really wanted, like, I was, for example, not going to even approach the Homestuck people. I was only going no. to approach the people of things that I actually like. Like, for example, the Hoggle player, his co- cosplayer. His costume was awesome. I love the labyrinth. And I would lo- and I really appreciated him dressing up as that, but I would really like to know why he decided to dress up like that 
at an anime convention. Um, I I wore a Battlestar Galactica costume on Friday, and why'd you do it? Why? Why? Might as well have it. Uh, I think that I think that would be the secret. That I think that would be the secret answer that I get got from all of them. But I would really have liked to interviewed more than just one person. And and find out what what the actual purpose. Well, no, there's an illustration I can give you. I think is when I went to the Star Wars Attack of the Clones premiere in Abingdon, Virginia. Mm -hmm. We were all standing in line to go in. There were people in you know Star Wars costumes. There were people in Ren Faire costumes. Really? There were people in Ren Faire costumes in line to see Star Wars Attack of the Clones. That seems odd. Exactly. Maybe it's just the costume you got. Exactly. That's well, what I think it is. It's, oh, I'm, there, I know there will be costumed people here. I have a costume that I enjoy wearing. Bam. Well, I, I, I super enjoy putting on my Dharma jumpsuit and walking around a run fair. But that's an entirely different thing. <laughs> but also some of the programming had really odd choices this year. Yeah. Like, like four or five Kingdom Hearts panels. At least five oh, really? Kingdom Hearts panels. Really? Yeah, there was there was a bunch of various Kingdom Hearts panels. I didn't realize Kingdom Hearts was still a thing. In, yeah, it is. Yeah, there are some diehard fans. I, I, I was but surprised five panels too. Were? No, well, again, I think these are some odd choices. You know, there was the night that you had both uh, eighteen plus Yaoi Homestuck panel, <laughs> the eighteen plus My Little Pony panel. And I think an 18 plus Ninja Turtles panel. There was an 18 plus and Ninja Turtles. And none of those and are anime. I, 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 I have a tip. I, I know somebody that went to it. I've just got to track them down. I am, I am under the impression that, I, I, that Hello Mark went to the 18 plus Ninja Turtles panel. Ooh. I've got to find that man and find out exactly what happened there. You yes. got to see everything with the shells. No, off. no, no, no. I don't want we don't want to see it. We just want to know what it was. Well, actually, there could be a potential there because I at one point had a friend named Ben something or other. <laughs> um, what was his real last name? A unfortunate fellow. It was Dutch. <laughs> yes. That's <laughs> I'm mispronouncing it terribly. <laughs> but it's banned something or other. <laughs> but, but, so, so Ben was super into Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And, and, and he was always telling me how the, how the original comic was super dark and violent. And April O'Neil was like way more sexy. And so, so there might actually be something to the 18 and up. So maybe it was, I, so it may not have been the sex angle. It may have, the 18 plus may have actually been more a violence thematic. Yeah, but, I, but there's there still the question violent. of, What's no. it doing at an anime panel? At an anime convention? I, yeah, really. I urge you to look at the subtitle of that panel. Um, I'm, what was I'm it? pulling it up right now. It was something kind of porny. Porny. But yeah. well, again, April O'Neil was apparently much sexier in the original. Not comedy. really. She's like a lab assistant. According to Ben, I don't actually know. <laughs> but there were still anime panels. Like this wasn't like totally like, not anime pan, 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 uh, not anime panel central. Well, that's true. True. There yeah. were lots of anime panels. The uh, the subtitle of that Turtles panel, Red Turtle District. I'm just oh. going to drop the mic and uh, you explain that. It Mike was drop log off. You, you can't <laughs> fill up a whole panel with April O'Neil. Okay, fine. No. No, it's no. April O'Neil doing various turtles. Uh, that doesn't 
Yeah, I think so, there are other char- other female characters. Like, didn't they introduce like there are a few an awkward like female teenage mutant ninja turtle that came up later? That was in the live oh, action was, Fox yeah, TV show. Venus. We don't talk about Venus de Milo. <laughs> okay, <laughs> Venus de so, Milo. Instead, let's talk about the panels we went to that we liked. Um, Can we talk about some of the ones we didn't like too? Yes, eventually. We'll get okay, to that. So we'll talk say- about Basil's panels eventually. Okay, we'll get to Basil's panels. So, um, yeah. so, uh, what panels? Did well, you guys I recall the Basil's to? panels. Because you were forced to. Yeah, that was forced we to. also you, went to you 10 don't years. Want to put back in the box. Yeah. 10 years to an anime, oh, yeah, Japanese years. animation, 1970 to 1979. How I'll was that? I'll spoil it for you. 79 was Gundam. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was a good panel. Um, it was ran by Drew of, uh, Shamalama Ding Dong Con. Oh, oh yeah. Szechuan Con, yeah. 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 Show Con. Yes, Sorensen Yeah. Sunburn Con. And he does this Sunburn thing where he picks a decade of anime and he picks an anime from each year of that decade. Actually, he did, like, he did three here, in fact. He did 70s, 80s, and 90s. Yeah, 90s is tomorrow. Or, yeah, it will be doing in 90s. And it, he does a good job. He explains, like, why he picked the anime, what was good. He shows clips of openings of every anime he talks about. It is a good time. And then after that, I ran panels. But, so, what did y'all go see? No, see, we went to even more manga you need to buy right now. Oh, that's one of my panels. I talk about manga and you should buy it. And we don't because your taste sucks. Actually, no, I have bought several manga. And his taste sucks, too. Well, yeah. No, no, I will say this. In in all honesty, no, all joking aside, um, Basil's taste has never let me down. Never once. I'm not saying I follow it all that often, but whenever I have, it has never let me down. It's let me down a couple of times, but usually those couple of times are preceded because he was trying to specifically tailor the description of the manga to my taste, and that never worked out. But whenever he's actually described the manga, it's usually worked out. And that one time his taste failed you, that ended in a marriage. But, you know, whatever. (laughs) Oh, Barry's not that bad. Anyways. (gasps) Oh... Um. Yeah, this this time it worked out pretty well. Uh, last year, sadly, they put me early Sunday morning, and they uh they did the fan one of the fan panel rooms was like in the very top like floor of panel possible space in the hotel that was like in the corner that no one knew. I don't think no one ever knew about. No one knew it was actually part of the con up there. Wait, which year was this? Last year. Oh, like up near the viewing rooms? Yeah. Oh wow. And so I got two people. Like, literally two people. Was for, it me and Dylan? No. It was wow, two even, people. even we didn't show up. Yeah. And, and this year, it was downstairs. It was in the in the bottom floor. And it was in fan panel. One of their fan panel rooms, which I don't know if they did last year or not. But it worked out. I had, like, t- 15 or 20 people. Which, for 10 a.m. on Friday, I'll take it. Except for oh, I yeah. had to steady the TV because the stand was wobbly. <laughs> There were technical issues, and they hadn't got the TVs in place yet, but I chalked that up to it being early Friday when they were still setting up. Yes. That's okay. I have learned, yeah. if nothing else, it's at a convention center, and convention centers are different, where you usually do not get the Thursday hmm. to set up. Yeah. You usually have to start everything up early Friday morning. So sometimes, especially early in the con you're going to have those issues. And that's just part of yeah. 
you know, dealing with con and, stuff. An early Friday panel is not necessarily a bad thing, though. Because you got the, for all the people that came in Thursday night or really early Friday morning, they're like itching to get the con started. And if you're one of the first things. Yeah, like, it's, it, it's something to do. Yeah, I remember having a tea panel that was like the first panel once panels actually started on Friday. And I thought, I thought at the time, oh gosh, nobody's going to show up to this. And I was astounded when the whole room filled up. I think that was the year I went to your tea panel. Yeah, and it's it's for the it was, exact it was reason. It was a packed room. It was for the exact reason that you said, like it, it's it was one of the first panels, and a bunch of people were really eager to get the the con started. And for a lot of people, that means panels. Yep. Especially if the panel is before the dealer's room opens. Mm-hmm. Oh yes. Yeah, they've got nothing better to do. <laughs> well, other than get in line for the dealer's room, even though once it opens, there's no trouble actually getting in. Yeah. Once, once you get to the point where you figure out the one thing I, the thing that I want, there's more than one of them in there, and they're not all going to get sold in the first thirty minutes. You chill out. Well, like I will never find an actual figure of the Demon Bane Mecca in my life, so why get torn up about it and just you know go in and find what I can? <laughs> you probably could find it if you went to Japan. I have to hunt online. Or... I, well, I'd have to hunt online. Or... Um, I just haven't found it for a price I'd be willing to pay. Yeah. That's that's the other catch. Yeah. But, uh... So, what other good panels have y'all been to? Um, English Jamboree. <laughs> Actually, I'm going chronologically. Uh, Friday, Friday was, was the a, day of basil. Friday was almost a lost day. I was... I, I, I think I went to three or four panels. I was in the media suite pretty much all day. Yeah, there were a bunch of panels I really wanted to go to on Friday. Um, but I had a bunch of things happen on Friday that made it so that I couldn't really do as many panels as I wanted. Um, one of which was I met somebody that I hadn't talked to in years at an anime convention, and we had, like, a good chat. And sometimes when you meet old friends like that, it takes a few hours to catch up. Yeah, like, like when you haven't seen somebody in ten years. Um... I was going to say, on Friday, we did also go to Con Horror Stories with the manpower. That's pretty good, actually. Oh. Yes. Because sometimes the Con Horror Stories panels are only okay. Like, usually the presenters are pretty good, but so it's I, I've had more problems when, like, they open it up to anybody telling a story, because not everybody's horror story... Is this is, horror of a is Well, this was, this was specifically yeah. the manpower who go to a lot of conventions and are a musical guest, so... Yeah. And they weren't all horror stories, because sometimes they got off on tangents of telling just interesting stories, but it was still interesting. Yes. So that was a good panel. I think I think if it wasn't Basil or the manpower, then Friday was the media suite. No, yeah. Uh, the interview we did with... Uh, now, uh... Yazawa. Yazawa. Yeah, she, uh, who's the creator. Uh, she's the mangaka of Wedding Peach, and her newest work is called... Uh, Moon, and Moon, Blood. Blood. Moon and Blood. Moon and Blood. Which I Moon think I like better than Wedding Peach, but... Wedding Blood. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure we'll get that interview up sooner Peach. rather than later, because that was that was an amazing experience. It's a very rare chance to actually get to talk to a Japanese mangaka. And she was adorable. And when you listen to it, I was there. I just didn't make any noises. Yes. Well, it, it I, I was really impressed by the interview with her because um, I've watched enough, like, Japanese talk show TV. Like, there's, like, a J America channel or something. Oh, oh no, no. It's a... Uh, oh, gosh. I'm so bad with names. Um, it's a station. It's a station. Welcome to the 
NHK America. That's the name of the station. Yeah. I've watched enough of it to know that this is just how Jap- this is evidently just how people Japanese people answer interview questions. But I, I actually really loved it because I'd never had anybody I interviewed ever do this before, mm-hmm. where you would ask her a question, and at first it would seem like she was not answering your question. At first it would seem like she was talking about something completely different, like perhaps she didn't understand you, and so she was giving you a different answer, but her beginning that way, she would then continue to talk, and she would explain her initial point, and she'd move on to kind of a middle ground that would then bridge into answering your question. So the overall effect was not only did she answer your question... But you have more context. Yeah, but she, you have more context, and she also answered questions that you might have been thinking about asking shortly thereafter as a follow-up. It was really interesting, the way she answered questions. Yeah, so on my end, it, it, it gave me a little bit of a pause because it's like, well... I did have several questions that I was going to ask you after that question that I just asked you, but you answered them in the course of answering that question, so now I have to scramble to find. But I had the same reaction at first thinking, oh, maybe she maybe she just didn't understand the question, and then it but, would, she'd bring it back around like, oh, okay. Yeah, and I do have to say I have watched several interviews on NHK America where that is invariably how the person they're interviewing kind of talks. So I think that may be a cultural difference. I also want to give, who was the guest afterwards that was up in for interviews? Oh, uh, uh, Brittany Karbowski. She was also awesome because, unfortunately, issues happen sometimes with, you know, talent relations and the media people. And we didn't get uh, now Yazawa in until near the end of our Possible interview period. Yeah, yeah like it was we, supposed we got, to be an hour, but she didn't get it until about forty minutes in. Yeah, so we only had we only had uh by the time she she sat down, we were all ready to go. We had maybe fifteen minutes to yeah. interview her. And then you know, Brittany was like, "No, no, keep going." So we were able to get like another ten minutes or so in. Yeah, and yeah. that was really appreciative. And I felt bad that I had to go do other things, like pretty immediately, so I couldn't interview her as well. But I, I was, she was. She was awesome. She yeah. was very gracious, we, and I, I was really appreciative. Of we that. did stick around uh, for the press conference for for Brittany Karbaski, and she's she's just a, a she's a super sweet lady. And every, everything everything uh, we were having dinner with the man with Chris from the Manpower this evening, and and he'd gotten to to spend some time with her too. And yeah, so everything I've heard about her, every I've seen her at this is the same time I've seen her at a convention, but I've never heard like any bad stories or anything like that. Like, she just seems to be a really sweet person. I could be totally wrong, but every everything I have heard and seen, she's just she's just a really cool person. I believe, based off what she did, I believe it. Yeah, like, she, she, was, she was very considerate in letting us continue to interview now yeah. for longer, even though it crossed into her time. Yeah, there's there was just, like, no ego there at all. Mm-hmm. And, and it was very sweet of her. Yeah, I I, uh, I seriously respect that kind of attitude. Mm-hmm. So, did anyone do anything else until karaoke happened, or? Well, I did karaoke, and uh, that was kind of awesome. I say kind of awesome. It was it was awesome. It was super awesome. Um, because you know everybody. The great thing about karaoke is that everybody in the audience is supportive of everybody else going up. 
So it doesn't matter how good or bad you are. Everybody supports you singing. And the people who don't have left the room, so what does it matter? That's very true. That's very true. Like, everybody's into it. And the people who are running... The people who are running it, like... It was a little bit confusing, because at one point they said... Okay, we can only go until two. And then, like, 30 minutes in, they're like, Okay, the con people just told us we can go until two... We can go until 8 a.m. if they want... If we want to. And then I think after, like... And then I think as it approached, like, the actual deadline that they had in the thing... I think, like, the people who run the hotel or the conference center... I think it's the hotel, actually, is where they were. Yes. I think the hotel people told them, No, you gotta shut it down at that time. And so they had to regrettably shut it down at that time, but it was it was a pretty it was a pretty rockin' party, like you know. Uh they didn't they on Friday night they did not have as many anime songs as they wanted to have. But they had all the Disney songs and all the show tunes and all the normal karaoke songs. So and and as I described, you know, there was a lot of uh not anime at this anime con. So there were people who, when they said, they, we have Disney song, we have Disney karaoke, though, were more than willing to get up and sing Mulan as, like, an entire group audience participation thing. And they, as they made a man out of the entire audience. Uh, but, you know, they eventually, as the night went on, did get some anime songs in there. And tonight, they had a lot of anime songs that you could sing. Like, it, it, it it was, as you mentioned, when you're having to set up in a big convention center on Friday, you just don't have all the resources that you have when you're in a single hotel and you have Thursday night to prepare. Right. So what did y'all do on uh, Saturday, unless there's something else on Friday we missed? I don't think we missed anything else on Friday. So Saturday, what'd you do? Uh, we caught, like, parts of a bunch of panels. Um, the Kabbalah in anime... We came in kind of late on that. So I've been to that panel before at a different convention, and that was a very interesting panel. I, I think we talked about it some on the GMX yeah, yeah. review. But yeah, the lady knows what she's talking about. Yeah. yeah. She, she does know what she's talking about. She is very open to questions both of the... She's, she's very open to questions of both people who know what they are talking about and... And are asking the intelligent questions. She knows how to handle them. She is well informed enough to answer them. And she's also patient enough to answer the questions from the people who have no idea what she's really talking about and are kind of stupid questions. But she does not treat them like they're stupid questions. She treated them like they were amazing questions and brilliant and just completely just answered them sincerely. And actually, I kind of picked up on that the little while that we were in there. Mm hmm. That- yeah, she knew how to run a panel, which was always good. So, if you're at a convention and you see her panel down, I highly recommend going to it. And what else? Did we? we hit the radio drama, which is actually yes. pretty cool. Because, I mean, it's what we thought it would be. Well, it's kind of, because um, it was Todd Habercorn, and he was doing a radio drama. But It was an Avengers Abridged. Yeah, it was, I, it I was Avengers Abridged. I've seen before on the internet, but... Um, but what was interesting was he actually brought up volunteers, because I thought maybe he'd have, like, people with him, or, like, some of the other voice actors or something like that, but he actually got people out of the 
audience. I was really surprised that it wasn't better attended. And I only can assume because, and we can get into this later, but the fact that you don't have necessarily, if the, if the title of the panel is not a, is not an accurate description of the panel, a lot of people are just out of luck. And it just says radio drama. So I would say a lot of people had yeah. no idea that Todd Haberkorn had a a panel. That yeah. was a problem. I think that is a problem. Yeah, unfortunately, I uh, due to events, the program guide as well as the website did not have any descriptions about the panels. Like the program guide, if you look at it, it's just a list of panel names. So yeah, as, and and I kept running into the issue because I don't have a you know smartphone to check the website or anything like that. That if if the title of the panel was not a very accurate description of what was going on, there's a good chance I just wouldn't go because I wouldn't know what was going on. The radio drama, I knew what a radio drama was, but I suspect that's why it was not better attended because um, they put it in a big room. And well, yeah, because you have you have voice actors, and it, usually that's a yeah. big draw. It was less than half full, but but what was cool anyway was that he brought up because the the it required a cast of about. Yeah, about twelve or so people. Yeah. So he pulled up um, a bunch of volunteers to do the Avengers abridged, and it was it was pretty entertaining actually. Uh, it was I mean, it was a it was a pretty funny script that they were working from. Um, but the the volunteers actually you know did a pre- pretty decent job. There wasn't too much of you know people scrambling to figure out. Oh, oh, is it is it my line or you know stumbling over their lines? So that was it was actually kind of cool that the that the people in the audience you know kind of had a feel for what they were doing. Um, and then like right after that, we had to run over to the what the foe uh, a foodie's guide to Asian eating, which was done by the Slants. Or well, um, Ty, Tyler, and Aaron. Yes. Um, and that was actually very interesting. I mean, it, was, it was kind of just sort of a basic, this is what they like to eat, with like a PowerPoint kind of slideshow. Um, but they went through several different cultures, like some some basic like Vietnamese dishes they liked, mm-hmm. Thai, Japanese, uh, Chinese, Korean, Indian, Hawaiian. Yeah. Um, highlighting several different things. The, the interesting bit in that one, though, there, there was a that guy, and there was a guy in the audience who was definitely... <laughs> Acting as a panelist, but but that said, and I'm usually so against that guy. This particular that guy like really knew his stuff. Like was really into Asian cuisine. Occasionally, like having run panel, having run panels where I kind of dread the that guy. Occasionally, the that guy at the panel is actually really beneficial. Yeah. Now, let's be honest. Like, this is, if you were listening, this is like one out of a hundred times that the that guy is ever useful. So if you're thinking, oh, I'm that guy, but I'm going to keep being that guy because I might be useful. No, you are not the one in 100. <laughs> the one in 100 never thinks to himself, I'm that guy. I'm the useful that guy. The one in 100 usually goes to the panel thinking that the, that they're going to learn something and just coincidentally discovers that they have a lot to add. Exactly. And a lot of times, if, when when I encounter the, that guy that has that level of humility, it's usually a girl and I invite her up to the uh, invite her up to sit with me. 
That's cool. I just go at this point. Just come up with me. Just come up here. And the other cool thing about that that particular that guy is, it turns out he was actually from our area of, oh, really? of Tennessee, like an hour away from me, like twenty minutes away from Dylan. And as a result, we did now you know talk that, to him. Or did no, you I didn't just... get a chance to. But but he kept okay. bringing up Knoxville. Yeah, so, as a result, I now know that there is a dim sum restaurant in Knoxville. Oh, that's very nice. I know one of the ones I did catch a tail very end of was a Ask a Manga Cop. It was a now uh, Yazawa. How was that? Yeah. It was It was, it was neat. Small. It was very small. She she got the panel room, too, which is one of the bigger panel rooms. It's where both the English Jamboree and Guinea Grammy Groove Back panel yeah. was. Ah, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why I was, I was scoping out the, the setup to make sure everything was cool. It actually kind of pulled up about, oh, probably about a dozen chairs at most up real close to the table. We're just kind of sitting around talking. Yeah, and mm-hmm. she was doing the same thing. They asked her questions. She would do her... Now, why know, did you only catch the tail end? Um, I would, we were eating. Ah. Like, you food. know, yeah, food has to happen at some point. Gotcha. Um, and so, I caught the tail end of it, and that was, it was, it was, I mean, she was, again, answering questions. It, it made me sad, though, because... It does kind of make you sad that, like, the actual Japanese mangaka who's yeah. actually producing this material that is what this convention is supposed to be about is not getting the same draw... As the voice actors. Well, and I have heard this from more than one person. I mean, and the people I hear it from are the people that run their own conventions. The, the The thing that keeps coming up is I keep hearing Japanese guests don't really draw attendance. They don't. They, don't. they are not as far as as far as bang for your buck. Like how many how many more attendees you're going to get because of a Japanese get the money you're having to put into a Japanese guest. It's, there's not a profit there. That And that just seems like such a shame. Exactly. Like, it's just a terrible shame, because it was such a wonderful thing to get to talk yeah. to a manga cop. Yeah, like, it's, it's, I'm this, not... This happens a lot. Like, I've seen an Otakon before, where you go to the Japanese creator panel, and there's, like, a dozen people. Yeah. I'm it's, like, holy shit, it's Shinji Aramaki, and, you know, nobody else cares. Uh, and I think a lot of it is, even though this is about Japanese animation and comics, well, a lot of these people, a lot of them, more than a lot of us sub fans like to admit, a lot of them are really big dub fans. Well, um, and there's, I think also a lot of it is like the, I met a friend I haven't talked to in 10 years and I, I sat down for a few hours to have a conversation with her. I have. I think that happens way rarer. Well, not yeah. necessarily the a uh, friend I haven't met in ten years, but a yeah. lot of people are coming here. A lot of people are coming to anime conventions to see people for the social know. aspect of well, it. Right. In addition, well, to I'm the specifically fandom. referring to the kind of draw a Japanese guest versus a voice actor guest. Well, I think oh, a lot you. of it is. It's not necessarily the the fandom isn't about Japanese culture. It's the American subculture that has sprung up around Japanese. Right, well, that's well, that's what I was getting to. Yeah. yeah, was because a lot of fans are really into the dubs. Mm-hmm. And there I think a lot of this is is because there is a there is a a level of extraction removed from yeah. because it's one thing to watch a cartoon in Japanese with English subtitles. That Japanese is an abstraction because you don't know the language. Suddenly you take that abstraction away with an English dub, suddenly there, there there's there's a screen removed. And you have a more, you can possibly have a more closer connection to it, or at least something that you can relate to more because it's in a language you can understand. 
And further from that, a lot of fans, I think, the Japanese voice actors are Japan's voice actors. These American voice actors are our voice actors. Well, that makes sense for the voice actors, but how do you explain, like, the... Well, I guess you can understand, just like actors get more attention than directors, yeah. period. Yeah. 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 Uh, but, like, you know, when, when I go to general, general science fiction conventions, or general fandom conventions, you know, authors still get a pretty big draw. Yeah, your authors right. and but artists but do, do get a bigger draw. If you look but, at Dragon Con, it, it seems to be very different groups of people. Now, also, you are, like, are looking but if you look at... Okay. Yeah. You look at, like, say... Authors versus actors. A Star Trek panel. You know, at, like, a Dragon Con. If you have the writer of the episode, or, you know... Patrick Stewart. Oh, yeah, you're going to go see Patrick yeah. Stewart. <laughs> like, that's the same thing. But there's also, with Japanese guests, I think there's another, um, well, kind of a le- level of abstraction in that you're having to get through the fact that there's not a common language, there's not a common culture, there's, like, it takes a lot more work than to go, yeah, you know, whoever your favorite voice actor is, you know, that has the cult of personality around him or her. Which, I mean, but in the end, I think, I do think it is a shame. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because, I agree. Definitely. I, I, I typically watch dubs, and I... Yeah. I, I mean, because I don't generally... Like, I... I when they, when there's a Japanese guest at a convention, I mean, I, I like to catch something that they do. Um, I'm generally not f- necessarily familiar with their work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For whatever reason. But... They came all I, the way from Japan. I want to see them. Well, and you get an, and you get an interesting perspective, especially like I. But but I also have a great appreciation for artists, like yeah. especially if you get to see them, like in the present doing something. Like I love yeah. just watching something like that come together, and and well, I've had that opportunity, and that's just well. For example, like I'm not sure if I'm going to get to add this commentary in the actual interview that we did, but one of the things that, that uh, she said that was so, like, amazing to me is I'm very familiar with how the, uh, with how, like, the comic book industry of America works, um, and I'm theoretically aware of how the comic book industry of Japan works, and I know it is different. I know, it is different. I know it is different, and I've known that academically for quite some time. But when I was actually asking her questions and I was listening to her answers, one of the things that struck me was that when I asked her, when did she start to draw? When did she start to draw seriously? Like, not just doodling, but, like, actually drawing. Um, she needed a specification between drawing manga and just drawing. Because, well, her, she'd always been drawing. So if the question was, when did she start drawing manga, then she had an answer. Mm-hmm. An American artist would not need that, that, that specification. They may need the specification between, like, when did you start drawing seriously versus doodling. And, and that's why I included that specification in the question. And I was actually hoping to get answer, more answers along the lines of, like, you know, did you study it formally in art classes or anything? And she gave me the answer to all that eventually, like through the course of her answer. But um, 
it did strike me that it was just a very different answer than an American comic book artist would have given. Yeah. Like, just, just from the fundamental nature of it. It was just very different. And I loved that. I loved hearing it. I loved, I loved, I actually wish that this was a little bit more than a podcast because I wish you could actually see the expressions that she was making as she was telling it. Yeah. It, it was kind of like she was letting you in on a secret and that she was so happy to be sharing. And I, I wish I'd caught more programming with her. And I, so I don't know if they did this, but this is something that I have seen done with, with, with Japanese guests at another convention. Um, and I sort of referred to it a little bit was, um, this may be at AWA, I can't remember who the guy was, because I think, uh, I'm forgetting. But anyway, they had it set up to where, I think it was actually, like, part of it was a QA. and a Mm-hmm. But he was also doing a demonstration on a projector, like just drawing stuff. I've seen a Japanese artist do that. Uh, the the artist for Azumangadayo, and again, I'm terrible with names. I can't remember yeah, his name. But the artist for Azumangadayo came to a anime convention that I attended, and I saw him sit there and like draw anime. And I think they should do that with every every mangaka, every every Japanese guest that's involved in anime that actually does the art. I think they should mm-hmm. have them do that. If only, even if even if the panel has nothing to do with that, you know, project it because even with, I mean, that that completely to me eliminates the language barrier. Like yeah. I, there might be issues with with the, with your translator or with their grasp of English or with your grasp of Japanese, but if you can watch them do that. Well, what's interesting to me is also a difference between animators and manga mangaka. Like, one thing that I have noticed from, like, attending, like, not just the interviews that I've done as part of the Awesome Cast, but just, like, my years of attending, you know, anime conventions, uh, the difference between how animators draw and how mangaka draw is actually surprisingly different. Like, mangaka may have, like, this wide array of how they draw their, their manga, Whereas, uh, animators typically have, like, a very formulaic method for how they draw their figures, and, um, the animators, the animators, you know, formulaic method is actually much more similar to the American comic book method. Hmm. And, like, and so it's really always interesting to me to see a mangaka sit there and draw their characters in a way that is completely not, like, is against everything I've ever been taught for how to draw a comic book character. Hmm. Like, but they still do it, and it still looks beautiful and wonderful. And so it's just really an interesting thing to see. Like, I think... Alright, any more positive panels before we start ripping into the one that we went to? Now get your anime groove back with fun, or as I like to call it, the Inferno Cop panel. (laughs) We did. We came in late on that, which I was sad. But we. Were I eating. do have to rib you on that one, Basil. We were eating. That was. <laughs> oh, Inferno Cop went amazingly well. It did. Yes, the Inferno Cop panel was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, How to get your anime groove back? I don't think anybody who had lost their anime groove got it back. Oh, oh, she just called you out. I think they got some Inferno Cop back. Well, that's a pretty amazing groove. Well, so, but it wasn't how to get your Inferno Cop groove. Well, well, what I did was I showed an anime, and I would like to point out that AKB 0048 got people interested. 
Yeah. 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 And, you know, and uh, I know that people come back and ask me about Level people, E. Yeah, people ask about Level E. And Makoon. And, and Makoon, yeah. Like, while I was waiting in line for the hotel, for the elevator later, I had people coming up to me in line saying, thank you for running that panel. Really? I was there, I saw yes. it. That was pretty cool. Maybe that's just because I'm, I wasn't there for, to see those people come up to you. You know, the but, guy was like, this is the first panel I went to in ever. 2011. Yeah, ever, ever. In 2011. And I loved it. Well, I, to be honest, I typically see that reaction when I go to your panel, How to Get Your Anime Groove Back. And, uh, Perhaps my critique is more just, I didn't see it as overwhelmingly as I see it normally. Um, but the thing is, like, this time you skipped, like, usually you do this little preamble, this little, like, introduction of explaining that you are about to show several anime that maybe you've lost, like, your love of anime, you're still into it, you're still into the culture, but you haven't actually watched any anime well, here are some really good anime to to get you and back into it. And you'll it. do the explanation of yeah. this is if you were into this type of thing. Here's the series that will get you back in. Admittedly, admittedly, I did forget that. You, you are correct. You, you didn't do that as much this time, and I think I, I think the panel was not as great as it usually is for that. So we all hate you. And so you get devolved. Out. You kind of devolved into showing the Inferno Cop. Which everybody loved, and it was a great draw, so you definitely succeeded in doing that panel. But... (laughs) (laughs) Wow, it's late, and she's laying in the aware. But, uh... But I am glad that you got some people into it, and, you know, I think everybody should watch Red Line, so I'm glad that you included that one. And I'm glad you reminded me of Loli, because I'd seen that at another panel you'd done, and I'd forgotten about it. Like, it it inadvertently started off being very space-focused... Mm-hmm. Because the one I was looking at was like, oh, I want to show level E because Micah Solsod's in it. And, you know, he deserves, you know, I'm not the base fan of dub guys, but he's one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. And he gets to be an actual angry man, which <laughs> doesn't always happen with Micah. Um, and I'm still surprised I like AKB0048 as much as I do. Yeah. Like, that is an anime I never thought I would enjoy, but as it turns out, I do. Mm-hmm. And. Yamato 2199 is coming out, and I feel that is an anime. That in particular was one of the anime where I felt... I I understand your reason for showing it. I'm really glad you showed it. I think it's one of the ones that could... that If somebody has lost their anime groove, they could watch that and get it back. They could watch that anime and remember why they love anime. It was totally appropriate that you had it, and you totally blanked on giving a decent explanation. But I did have people come back afterwards and ask me about it. Well, good, good. So, like, I'm I'm not saying it was perfect. It was also... This has been a very tiring con. Yes. It's been a lot. I don't know why, but yes. Like, this has been a more tiring con than average. Um, But in the end, it did overall go well, and it had a lot of people ask me about different things. But yes, and I was uh, my idea was that since Inferno Cop is in very short chunks, I would preface, you know, I would show some anime, show a clip of Inferno Cop, show another anime, show another clip of Inferno Cop, because by the time I'm done showing the clips of Inferno Cop, it's the same amount of time I would have spent on any other anime. Yeah, it's and it it's a, that it it is a good because it's so short it is a good one to break between like, stuff. because normally I show about 
four or five episodes, four or five shows, and I dedicate between 10 and 15 minutes for each show. Mm-hmm. And about the total amount of Inferno Cop, because I was also running late, because Tech has a different way of handling panels this year. Yeah. yeah. Um, I did backload more Inferno Cop just because I needed something else to fill in that time. That is a good one, too, if you have, like, time left over. Like, oh, we have time. I'm going to... Yeah, and what real M- quick. Yeah. what Tech did was this year, they expect you to end 15 minutes early so mm-hmm. the next panel can come in to set up. I'm betting that's they said, a good idea. But I'm betting they because 15 minutes doesn't. I mean, that only gives you 45 minutes, really. Right. I really, I, I think that a better solution is something that Momocon does, where they front load, yeah, that into the schedule. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that said, I don't think I think they said 15 minutes because I think the expectation was everybody's going to run over because nobody checks their watch. The staff was pretty good on making sure it was 15 yeah. minutes. Okay. Yeah. Like, they were, very, they were very on top of things. Okay. Um, I, I noticed that in, like, one or two panels, but there were a lot of panels I didn't notice, but I may have been sitting yeah. too far forward. I also know that this was a case of MTech got a ton of panel submissions. Mm-hmm. A ton. Now, this also could be they have this really weird system, at least to me, where if you want a panelist, an actual panelist badge... That's actually, you know, that you're not having... Normally, most cons, if you present a panel, you get a panelist badge and you just get in. Because you're providing the convention content. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In tech, you have to provide five hours worth of total content per person to get in with a yeah. full panelist badge. Otherwise, they sell you a badge at a discounted rate. And I so, think that's fair. Part of that makes sense in the... In the you know, you don't have to do the full thing. You can do get just a discount. But at the same time, like you say, if there's if there's so many panel submissions, the chances of someone getting five hours yeah. is kind of slim. Like, yeah. and so I wonder if there's a lot of submissions because of that too. People trying to get their five hours, get their, get their five yeah. hours in. If that's not artificially inflating it, perhaps down. it would be a better idea if they cut it down to three hours. I don't know though. Maybe that's what if that was their goal though was to increase panel submissions so they had so they could pick and choose better. Like, I mean, that's a brilliant way to spur people to submit more ideas. Well, that's true, but it it also like it makes it harder to screen. Yeah, that's true. It makes it harder to screen the good quality from the not so good quality. But I, I, I don't agree with the policy. But you know, I, I really cannot talk too much about this personally since I am very much involved with another anime con where I get help to determine the policy for these things. Well, so I think that. Ah. I think that five hours seems a little excessive. I think three hours would be better. But because, like, you know, you could realistically, you know, a person could realistically have, like, like a... Three panels is still working your ass off. Yeah, three panels yeah. is so, still a lot. I I really personally believe that if you come to my con and you're giving me a panel and you're creating a draw that's going to bring in people, that is the money that we're going to make for the con so we can keep the con running. Now, I think what has happened with MTAC is they've had issues where... They've People had, have made a panel that didn't have any content. They just said, I'm going to host this panel, and it had no content to specifically it. Specifically to get like, them and their friends in Yeah. Free. And I think that is terrible, and my solution is to keep staff members posted at doors. Mm-hmm. And if it turns out that's the kind of panel, we know about that now, and they no longer get to run panels. Yeah. But 
that requires more manpower than they possibly have. That said, considering they have people to check on the panels to make sure they end on time. I think someone's they, already there. They're already there monitoring. Like, but I can't, I don't want to talk too much about that just because yeah. I'm in no be- way objective. It does become a little subjective for a volunteer making that determination. Whether or not they think. Yeah. Yeah. Because the imagine the person who's watching yeah. the Homestuck panels. Nah, nah, nah. nah. <laughs> no, all, all of this Cut needs it. to go. No. Make Shut, it down. Shut, it Shut it down. Shut it down. Shut it all down. My, my, my question would be more, how much of the room is it actually filling? Because you know what? If a bunch of people come in and they're throwing a panel that has filled up the room... Well, also bear in mind... Say, also bear say, in mind the content-filled panels that only get a couple of people... But the people who are there are super into that. I've attended yeah. a few panels like that, and like I've like I've attended a few panels where like there's only been like ten of us in this room that's clearly built to house at least fifty people. But we were all super into what the person yeah. was yeah, saying. Yeah, so it's it, it, it is a hard yeah. thing to tackle, and maybe you know you want to come with like you know cards that you can fill out to say how much you liked or disliked a panel or. You know, guidebook I, I think Intac and GMX actually had that, and I think the problem that they had was that people weren't filling them out. Well, now here's the yeah. thing. Here's the thing that I noticed because this this happened to me last year because I was in the Ghosts of Japan panel, mm-hmm. and it was not one of the smallest rooms, but it it really wasn't even close to the bigger rooms. It was just above the smallest, and it was packed, standing room only, people lined across both walls and the back, and it occurred to me. You know what? I pulled out my phone because even though it's a dumb phone, I can text mm-hmm. to my to 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 Twitter, and I just put her, you know, hey, Adam Tech, go to Japan, way too full. Next year, get a bigger room. And before the day was over, they'd already responded. You know, thanks for the for the suggestion. We really appreciate it. We need to know this kind of information. Now, unfortunately, I didn't get to go to the Ghost of Japan panel this year, so I don't know if they put it in a bigger room. I well, will say that for uh, both this is when I submitted my panels and in the description fields, I did point out like, okay, both for English Jamboree and for getting on a group. I'm like, I have filled up. Every room you've ever given me for these panels. Mm-hmm. Every time. Please give me bigger rooms. And then for my manga panel, I'm like, I don't think this is going to fill up a big room. Please do not put this in a big room. You know, and because I, I know a lot of panel submissions, they'll go, well, what do you think your estimated attendance and they'll want numbers? And I'm like, I don't know numbers. Because it depends on the time of day. It well, on- well, it depends on what kind of crowd I feel I could draw. I can tell you, I think this is going to a decent amount of people. I think it's going to get a ton of people. I know this is going to fill rooms. Yeah, especially if you're, especially if you're not like, because the con could be, the con could shrink, the con could grow. You don't necessarily yeah. know exact numbers, but you have a good idea of your con attendees. This is probably going to fill. A small room, medium and, room, and some. I can fill a large room. And some panels are just crapshoots to begin with. Like I, yeah. I've always thought that, like the Pain Train and English Jamboree are two that, like I have seen Those it completely pack out rooms, and at times I've seen them in very small rooms that were just kind of full. I mean that one can that one can that one seems to be up to the whim very, of the yeah. con goer. But like, I know that in MTAC. I've never had a not packed English jamboree. Yeah, and even this year, 
some of the edges were empty, but the middles were packed. Every time I have ever seen Basil do the pain train, I have never seen Basil do the pain train to a not stuffed to the gills room. Even if the room was not stuffed to the gills when he starts, by the time he finishes, like everybody is packed in there. I believe I, saw, I once saw you pack out the, what was it, the Kennesaw room in AWA? I can't remember what it yeah, was for. Yeah, it was in Chambery. I was like, holy crap. Yeah. This is a huge room and you filled it. But that was English Chambery. It was one of our first. I think that was the first English Chambery I saw. That was probably the first one. Like uh, that's that 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 panel that started at AWA. Um, oh, but very briefly touching back on on getting your groove back. The only issue I had, and it was just an issue of time, unfortunately. The first the first time you that I ever saw you do Redline, you actually played like the first fifteen minutes as a chunk, and I think that was so much cooler than the tra- like the trailer. The trailer is not as cool as the first. The 15 trailer minutes. does not do it justice. Let's be honest. The first trailer, fifteen minutes, though. Was again an issue of time, yeah. Because I didn't have an hour to put my panel on. I had forty-five minutes, yeah. Like, and again, that, that's a case of budgeting because they had panels starting at nine a.m. for this con. Yeah. Like, they had more panels that they knew what to do with. Did they do that last year? I don't think so. Okay, I didn't think so either. Like, everything seemed to be starting an hour earlier than. Like, it was because I think they had so much content to try to fit everyone in. They had to squeeze in those extra for Kingdom Hearts panels. But, well, I, I, I have a feeling that this is I think is it's just a pure a, content. Pure yes. content. Like, like, like they had so many submissions. There's a lot like, of panels. There is a lot of like panels. Now, yeah. and it's also a question of, they also have to deal with what they get. Yeah. Like, you know, I've seen con submission panels, and you do not know how many homestead panels get submitted to a con. Really? You don't know. Oh, God, you don't know. I you always... Don't, no, you don't know. The I was actually always... I was, actually, <laughs> I was actually always under the opinion that the Homestuck people didn't create panels because they create stuff, but they don't create content. What they create is a ton of Ask Our Homestuck Cosplayers but questions panels. Yeah. People need to learn those aren't panels. Yeah. Most what? fan panels aren't real panels. I would say most. It depends on what con you get. Okay, what if, if your fan like panel it. is Bleach fan panel, no. Now, if your fan panel is... Let's talk about some of the themes that occur in Bleach. Yes! Thank you. <laughs> if you want to if you want to take one theme and just tease the hell out of it for an hour, yes, I am all for that. But mm-hmm. if it's just, we're going to yank it off to Bleach, no. <laughs> Stop. You, you, no. You close out your browser, you shut down that submission form, you will not do it. Like, you will not do it. Now... I, I, I know, like, as much as I loved Oron High School Host Club, I noticed that a lot of with Oron Host Club, when it was popular, uh, is that you had a lot of people who wanted to dress up like the characters and then have people ask them questions as if they were, and have, and they would then answer the question as if they were the character. So it's sort of like a role-playing thing, but... They're not the manga. They're not the writer for the show. They're not. They're a fan. I, like I have seen that. Okay, I've seen that. I will admit, I've seen that concept in an interesting way once. Ah, well, the one time I saw it done done well was indeed for Erron Host Club, because yeah. the, those characters are inherently just like the the one that I saw. It was at um, Anime Southeast. I've never seen it before. I'm sure it's been done at the convention, but mm-hmm. it was anime speed dating. 
And if they you were in cosplay, those... you were supposed to be co- you were supposed to be speed dating as the character you were cosplaying as. They they had one of those. Uh, they they actually had that as a panel here. It was one of the ones I was interested in, but I think I had something else that I needed to go to at that time. Of course, there was also then the anime dating game at Station Con last year. That was the worst dating game. It was one of the worst panels I've ever seen, just because everyone was very stilted. They didn't screen their yeah, possible you, people. If oh. you do that, you've got to screen your person to make sure that they can actually play the character. But speaking of bad panels, speaking there was of bad panels. there was one. I've decided to steal this panel. That this was... Now, and what's funny is that this is a panel that packed the room pretty well, and a lot of people and stuck around. gradually, it, when we first walked into this panel, it was packed. A lot of people clearly had a lot of interest in what this panel was about. And as the panel went on, the room slowly, like, people got up and left, and more and more people got up and left. So, by about... By the question and answers p- portion of the panel, it was only probably about half full. The insane quiz show portion of the panel. Yeah, and this and this is coming from a panel that started packed and then em- then, then emptied down to half. The panel in question was called the Top Ten Demons in Japanese Culture. I was really hoping it was by the same it- person who does... Ghosts of Japan. It wasn't. No. Oh, I don't think it was actually called the top ten. I think it was just called. Sorry, I, 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 I had ten. It's just top. It demons. was just top demons. We started counting, and I think we had seven at right. Uh, yeah, I think you seven. only did like six. If we counted uh, the red and the blue only, it made seven. Uh, oh, yeah, of course. But oh no, that's like I don't. Know I was I'm defending. This was a horrible panel. Really uh, hoping it was the Ghosts of Japan person. It wasn't. No. They put on a good show. They do. Like I like those people a lot. Yeah, those people um, are good. This was done by the guy who, when he runs his Gundam panels that I've ever seen, he dresses up like Char and tries to act it out in character while talking about Gundam. Very badly. Hmm. You know, just as, I'll totally off saying, like, he's got the nerdiest voice I've ever heard. Really? It's like, nerdy? Why he talks like this. I didn't notice, but then again, I talk like this, so what do I know? Oh, you don't talk that. You know, your voice is not naturally like, put a pocket protector yeah. in me, I'm done. I mean, I, wow. <laughs> I'll admit, I work That's best. That's harsh. I work best on a panel where I have someone else to react to, like not as the lead panel guy, but I think I could run this panel better. Well, the thing was, he, he did seem to know what he was talking about as far as like, Demon mythology was concerned, especially as it related from American, not American, but from Western mythos to European, from Western European mythos to Japanese and Asian mythos. The listeners cannot hear Kevin's scrunched up face as he really wants to disagree with this statement. Uh. <laughs> yeah, there were so many times that while that panel's on, Kevin was literally like, that's wrong. They said, oh, that's wrong. Oh, that's really wrong. Well, he at least understood that, uh, I don't know. I don't know what he understood. I want to defend this panel somehow. And I'm yeah. trying to find... Okay, here, here's how bad this panel is. I desperately want to find a way to defend this panel. Because I had a good time at this panel. 
but I, I am really scrambling to find a way to defend it. Like, he had the good idea for us to go, yokai are not demons. Yeah, I like, oh. That was very good. For a brief moment, I was like, oh, I thought you could go the other way. There's hope. He then went on to say that Oni are demons, which is not completely untrue, but neither is it completely true. I... In, in, Kevin looks so pained. Yeah, He's it, passing a kidney I stone. I did not like this panel. So many things about this panel just like grabbed me completely the wrong way. And I think pretty much any indigenous Japanese supernatural creature should probably not be lumped under demons. They just don't fit. But yeah, like Oni really fit more of like the there, ogre barba- yes. you know, ogre yes. barbarian there motif. Is, there is but, so much anime, manga, video games that does embrace Western style demons. Yeah, yeah there, there is a lot you could talk about. In fact, after we left the panel, me we and kept Kevin, thinking of better ones. <laughs> me, and, me and Kevin were just going off about like all the demons that are true, like demons in the Western sense of the word that are in anime. And what really, <laughs> really teed me off. Was then out of nowhere goes, let's talk about Meccano. And, I'm, and he, then he saunters out with Mike in hand in front of the audience. While and spoils Meccano. The entire subplot the of Meccano. Wow. Just, just talking. He's like, and then this happens and then this happens. And I'm just, my jaw is just dropping. Meccano's been out for a couple of years. I don't care. The, the extent to which he spoiled it. I don't spoiled it. Well, the, the only reason I mention this is the person in the Kabbalah panel did kind of drop some, didn't she? Spoilers? About okay, it is uh, not a spoiler to say okay. that there is a demon in Bacano. It is not a spoiler to say that a large part of the plot revolves around the actions put in play by the demon. by this demon. But the catch therein is because Bacano's been out for a while, that's why saying that much isn't a spoiler. But to go through point by point and basically tell you the anime and tell you how the demon is revealed to be related in the context of the anime, that is a spoiling the anime. all mystery from the show if you've not seen it. There's no point to watch it after that. Like, it's not just... It wasn't a little... I think it's fair to say, you know, before you're going to do something like that, you say, okay, if you've not seen it and you want to see it... No, no, he just was like, I'm just going to top up a Kano. And and he sauntered. Like, he sauntered. Like, he was like, I'm the biggest bell of a ball with this microphone. He sauntered like he thought he was Shatner. I wish he'd furthermore, this was obviously a panel (laughs) that that would have been really enhanced by clips. Yes. But he only showed still pictures. Yeah, he kind of had a little slideshow. And then he further goes... In this 10-minute build-up to then go, and he's trying to get people to guess what he wants to talk about. And he's been completely non-sequitur in how he's describing these things. Yes. Like, he's just jump, jumping from random point to random point. And he expects people to follow what he's saying, to come to his conclusion, and no one is because there is no way to do that. I actually did. I'm sad he didn't call on me because I actually I actually got there. Um... He, he was pointing, the question that he was a- asking the audience and trying to get the audience to answer, uh, which is the Socratic method, which is a very valuable method, um, 
for teaching, if only he had something to teach us. <laughs> uh, but he was pointing out that he had had goofy demons, that he had had, uh, that he had had goofy demons, he'd had truly scary demons, he'd had, uh, he'd had, you know, kind of, uh, manipulative behind the scene demons, and he was now trying to get us to guess, like, the net, the, the final, the number one kind of demon that he was, you know, the kind of demon that made his number one on the list. He was trying to get, get us to guess it, and like, right away, I already noticed, you haven't had sexy demons, be they sexy, sexy hentai girls or tentacle monsters. <laughs> so I was already there. But but he, nobody else was for some when reason. Tentacles are involved. Doug's already. I think, think, and he. I think his was point was for corrupting demons, but it say it they coincided. Sexy, demons. yeah. And his big thing was that guys, Legend of the Overfiend. On one point, Kevin. Well, oh yes, because of course the Overfiend. Well, one what he showed. I don't know if there's a spoilers, but not the Overfiend, but the Overfiend's father. <laughs> Two, the Overfiend is not a demon. There's clearly a race of creatures in the anime identified as demons. It is not one of them because the Overfiend is a god. An evil god, but a god nonetheless. And what got me was he spent these ten minutes trying to control people into answering his question. And he goes, Overfiend! By the way, it's a, it's a hentai, so it's 18 plus. This isn't an 18 plus panel, so I can't show you anything. Oh, to be a little vulgar? Yeah. yeah. Why did you spend so yeah. much time on it? To be a little vulgar, I would have made an 18 plus panel and shown the Overfiend rape a, uh, rape a nurse till she exploded. I yeah. would have shown that clip. Like, well, I mean, if you're going to. Spoilers. If you're going to talk. <laughs> if I'm going to bring up the Overfiend. If you're going to talk about Legend of the Overfiend, or if you're going to talk about Bible Black, if you're going to talk about them, you might as well yeah. just go ahead and make the panel 18 or over. I could. You know, otherwise, mention them casually and say, but we're not going to go into that we're not too much. Dwell on Overfiend. Don't you know. spend so much time on it. Don't make Basically, it your number one. Don't make it your 20, number one. Twenty-five percent yeah. of your and panel. Then, yeah. And then, something you couldn't really talk about. And yeah. at this point, I'm like, you know what, guys? I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> I want to go get dinner. Let's leave. I have never seen Basil this mad. Freaky no. panel. I, that I is made the him stay. Worst panel <laughs> I have ever been to at any con. He did have okay. The question and answer section, the little game show that he did as a question and answer section, I super enjoyed. I may have enjoyed it because I won it. It was terrible. <laughs> I hated it so much. And I'm like, guys, let's go. And Doug's walking up. Doug's sitting. Oh, God. I'm Doug's sticking around. Participating. I? Doug's participating. Okay. Maybe, maybe Doug will lose. Nope. And we can Doug go. won. No, Doug is far smarter than everyone else up there. Yes. I'm going to point out that you are not married to Doug. You can go eat whenever you want. Yeah, they can. But for some reason, they don't. I don't know what it is. Never leave a man behind. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Especially at cons when you're trying to quite coordinate what you're doing. With something this terrible, I'm not leaving any of my friends. Like, and, like, and but, 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 I when she went up there, did she, was she your friend at that point? I yes. think not. <laughs> No, no, she, no, Doug she, will always she betrayed you. No... She betrayed you. She betrayed you, ma'am. Hey, they were not communicating to me how terrible they thought it was. <laughs> <laughs> they were not communicating to me. I was, Barry was between me and them, and True. I was not hearing True. it. And I had questions about Blue Exorcist and Mephistopheles that <laughs> I wanted to ask, and I did not realize that by asking it, I would be forever roped into this game that ended until the... <laughs> 
And what you would do is be like, okay, now no, you. I thought it was actually pretty inventive. Person, it just needed to be done right. This person, and now they're going to ask a question, and then now I'll decide which one's the best answer. Okay, now you leave, and you and he wants the last person standing, but it makes no sense because if you had been there, answered four questions, you lose the final one. Why does that one person get to win? There's no system. It's a pro- dumb. Basil is a wild-eyed, frothing madman right now. So I have never dumb. seen it. This, found, is most, this is one of the most yeah. laid-back people you will ever meet. Yeah. And he's about ready to throw a chair through a window and set a hotel on fire. Crunch <laughs> okay, just in case Basil's what? explanation of how this question and answer system worked is estranged and confusing, I'm going to try to explain how I perceived it. The basic system was the first... Well, not the basic system. I'm going to do the detailed system. The first person came up, and this might be kind of a lazy man's way to handle the question and answer portion of every panel, but... uh The answer is yes. <laughs> the answer is yes. That's, in fact, how I won. <laughs> uh, but, uh... So, what he did is the first person who had a question had to answer their own question. Like, they came up, asked their question, and then he's turned it back on them, like, okay, now you have to answer your own question. If the audience liked their own answer or not, depend on whether they got to sit up or go back down. No, the first time, no, you asked your question, and then the other person had to answer... They, you both at there were two people. You both asked questions, and you had to answer each. Yeah, other's that was question. the second time. The second time, two, two yeah. people came up, and that's when I came up, and this other girl came up, and we both had our questions, and we asked them, and then we were tasked with the job of answering each other's questions as the panelist. The panelist like would secretly judge what he thought would be the correct answer. And whichever one of us gave the correct an- the the most correct answer, would get to stay up or go be seated. But then he would also then add a third person and start asking their questions, and it, it just just didn't make any sense. Yeah. Well, a- after that second round, again, the third person was asked to come up, ask their question, and then the two people who were already up. Then gave their same answer to uh, gave then gave their two different answers to the same question, and again he decided which one was blatantly right or wrong. In the case of both of them being right or wrong, the audience got to decide a little bit. Um, I won most of mine by being a douchebag. Like for example, this one girl answered, "You know, have you read Solomon's Solomon's Diary of Demons?" This is lesser actually, key of Solomon. Yeah, the lesser the key get-tia. of Solomon. And this is actually a very valid question, that anybody running a panel on demons appearing as pop culture figures in uh, Japanese culture or Western culture or whatever, any culture, should be asked. You need to know your getia. There's 72 Um, of them. They're awesome. So, this should be an... uh, The answer to this question should be... Yes. Yes. (laughs) However, I had no idea if he had actually read it. The fact that he had not even mentioned it was surprisingly, like, 
Like, there was a very valid reason that this girl asked this question. So I answered the question, but the goal of the game was to answer the question in the way that he deemed was most right, or that the audience deemed was most right. So I answered it in the most douchebaggy way possible, which is, yes, of course he has read it, he just didn't feel like talking about it. Wow. (laughs) And that's more or less how I won every question, was, obviously they're demons, stupid question. Your question sucked. It would have been better if you had asked it like this. That's basically how I won. Let's put it this way. (laughs) I like MTAC so much, this panel did not ruin me on this convention. Oh, no. This convention was great. Like, like we're kind of railing on this this one panel, but this is only one panel. You're enjoying your hatred of the panel. No, I'm not. No. No. I'm enjoying the hatred of it. I just don't. I'm enjoying the hatred of it. Nice! That's because you won. You won the panel. Well, that's why I say I kind of want to steal this one, because immediately after we left this panel, me and Kevin started talking about, like, the demons that we would have actually included, and, like, I mentioned, well, I can kind of see what he was doing by breaking it down into, like, types of demons, but if that's really what he was doing, maybe, you know, he should have had more examples of the various different types as they appear, and, like, uh... And by types, I'm not meaning any actual types. I'm meaning like you know the goofy ones, the the goofy ones, the funny ones, the scary ones. Like the thematic types. Yeah, the thematic yeah. types, rather than yeah. like the official types. The tempter, you know. The, yeah. Uh, but the uh, hero, you know. You know, the and, hero. And know. I would have had more examples rather than just one yeah. example for each type, which is why I think I might want to do this panel because. If only there were a convention, because you could do it at Word. I know! Because clearly it filled up a room. Clearly it's something people are interested in. And it is an interesting topic. Like, like we've also, you know, speaking of demons, you talked about, you talked about going to see the tail end of, you know, the, the Cabal in anime, yeah. uh, which touches on demons very lightly. It actually touches on angels more so yeah. than demons. You know, there's, but... there's apparently one on the schedule about angels tomorrow. I hope it's not the same guy. Well, it... No, it's the uh, person who does the Cabal panel. Oh, good. Because so, yeah. she's oh, cool. good. She is really good. Um, but, you know, clearly that is a theme that comes up in Japanese pop culture, you know, via anime and video games and... Uh, you know, even in some of the rock, you know, even in some of the indie J-rock bands, you know, that theme definitely comes up. So it's definitely something people are interested in, and so it would be really nice to actually have a panel where somebody actually talks about it. <laughs> it would. But I'm going to stop us here now and point out that it's almost 3.30 in the morning, well, so we need to start wrapping up, I think, on well, Final Well, as Thoughts. much as we're railing on this one, on this one panel... While this panel was going on, there were five other panels going on. It's true. Like, there there was a lot to do. There, there was actually a, several cosplay panels going on at all times. Like, I think they might have even had, like, a full-on cosplay track where if all you wanted to do was go to nothing but cosplay panels from, you know, from uh, the time panels started to the time panels ended, you could do that. It's true. Like, like there was a lot of things that you you can do at this con. Like, MTech's oh yeah. a good con. Like, like do not get me wrong. MTech's a great con. You know, they they also continuously have they continuously have if not a rave, they have some sort of musical performer somewhere. Which we saw a 
several of them. We saw we got. I yeah. saw some go booping off your theme song. I know, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> but no, we we Did didn't. You? No, he's talking about the the manpower. The manpower playing you. Who do you want, Jackie Chan? The manpower actually didn't. Okay, what? there was oh, someone. Good God. <laughs> someone who sings a okay. song. Okay, how about there were two? There were two solo acts that got together on stage briefly to do Jackie okay. Chan. This may have been after I left to go uh, work in the media room. I so. saw a certain Warhammer dude strumming on a guitar, and a certain sex dude, like talking about who do you want, and it was Jackie Chan. Even though I swear, you guys. George to case Facebook's lower standards. <laughs> it would be the best idea for everyone. As well as go to MTech. It's a good con. But yeah. MTech is a good con. I have had a lot of fun at this convention. Yes. I was so sad I could not go to the Go and a Guy panel. It was at the exact same time as the Getting Your Anime Group back. Oh. Who I will... I, 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 I kind of want to take... Help you, Ko and I should take possible credit... For him doing that panel, he apparently had a was someone who had seen our going to guy panel at uh, another convention, possibly this one. And he enjoyed it. He wants to do his own, and that's awesome. That's exactly I, I'm glad what, yeah. awesome people are doing awesome panels. And if I remotely helped that happen at any point. That makes me the happiest panelist one could be. I'm always happy when I can convert someone to going to guy fandom. <laughs> yes. There are a bunch of people doing a bunch of really great panels. Mm. Yep. Do yeah, and I do need to briefly mention just Project Leviathan, which is Cody from the Manpower side project was here. Chris Davis and his K-pop All Stars, which is Chris's from the Manpower side project, mm-hmm. were here. And then the Slants were also here, and and those were all very very excellent shows. And I I'm always surprised that they are not better attended. I mean, any convention I go to, the concerts are never as well attended as I think they should be for the quality of of the musicians that I usually see. But yeah, well, that, that's just unfortunately it's going to be a case of you're looking at these sort of indie geeky rock bands that do not have the following yet of like a Japanese band. But no, no, even Japanese bands. I'm talking like AWA, even who you know. Yeah, they had would, some would huge seriously one year, didn't they? pack in Japanese bands. Yeah, the Emeralds, the Captains, uh, Quaff, Sushi Mommy Ray. Yeah. They frequently have at least one fairly popular band. But yeah. they, even they, you're like, okay, that's a decent crowd, but it doesn't fill up a third to a half of the space, which is really. Weird because a lot of kids keep asking for bands. Exactly. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm wondering if they're not just a vocal minority. But here's the thing. But 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 every convention that I seem to see, like the rave, has such a huge following and a huge line to get in. But there's all these concerts the whole day long. And 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 the one that really gets me is like the slants because their music is so. Uh, it, I mean, it's so easy to dance to. I mean, it is yeah. very much dance hall music. And I'm like, okay, now why is there not a line for them that there is for the rave? Like, that, that is basically the pre-rave rave. <laughs> they are, because they're, it's such high energy. Yes. And just shame on anyone that went to the rave but did not go see the slants. You can go eat your own dicks. <laughs> <laughs> wow. 
And on that I note, like it. Bringing <laughs> up the harshness. I like it. Uh, I'm doling out the harshness. But I love MTAC. I do love MTAC. I love GMX. Yeah. I love the, MTAC more the, every year. These people know how to run a good con that people have a good time at, as far as I'm concerned, anyway. Oh, yeah. Good they show. know what they're doing. There's always a few hiccups at every convention. At every it doesn't convention. matter. And I think I mentioned this last year, and I'll mention it this year. I can't wait to see how they handle it next year. Oh, yeah. Yes. Oh, they're, they're going to learn from whatever... I don't even... Well, I thought... They'll learn from all their hiccups this year, and yeah. we'll have fresh hiccups next year. Yeah. And I will <laughs> fall in love with them more and have their babies. Except for Nico's. Because I have a blood feud with him, and I will destroy him. Right. That's why I gave his phone to Aaron. Oh, that that was I fun. I didn't give it to Aaron. That was a fun experience of this weekend too. Like I, I enjoyed that. That wasn't entirely like a you guys created event, but it was still a fun event. We didn't make it happen. We just let it happen. Whose phone is this? Well, Aaron's gonna know. take it. Well. I will pay you to not give him his phone back. I, I, I would have given Aaron all of my money. <laughs> just I would open my wallet, take whatever you want. Never let Nico see this phone again. <laughs> Such is my hatred for Nico and my love. Because <laughs> there cannot be hatred without love. Love and hate—they're the same coin. But on that note, we're almost closing on two hours of recorded audio that will never see the light of day, just like last year's podcast. Monkey balls. I love the drunk cast. I do too. It's a shame that no one ever puts it out. It is. It's such it's, a shame. It's the best hey, podcast. No one ever gets a chance to listen hey, to. Hey, have you heard it yet? <laughs> no one has. <laughs> no, no, no. Have you heard it yet? The awesome cast has a new slogan that our podcasts are definitely coming out the year they're recorded. Sometimes. <laughs> Except not always. <laughs> no, this is our hey, new... that's what Basil oh, this, promised me when, he, when we year. recorded... This is our new promise. When we oh, recorded the, the Penguin Drum co- podcast, he promised me it would come out this year. Now, he, it may like be like December 30th, and like they're all coming out at once. <laughs> That'd be awesome. <laughs> but Basil has promised me the Penguin Drum podcast and the little aside that we did at that time will come out this year. So... Hopefully this one will come out this year because I was told all podcasts will be released the same year we record them, which is not really a very high bar, but it's one we were apparently our not bar. able before. <laughs> <It is laughs> our bar is switch. our promise to our fans. No, just switch to awesome cast, the podcast that's too good to release. <laughs> <laughs> well, some of them have been. Some of them have been so good that we could not release them, or else it would shame all other podcasts. And maybe shatter reality itself. It did. It, it, uh, there was definitely one that would have. Yeah. Like, like we, we had to put that under lock and key. It sits in James's basement. I on, had to like, slingshot around the sun hardcore. and save some whales. I, like, seriously, it, it was too important to release. True. <laughs> and on that note, Amtech was fun. Go to MTAC. And really props on landing a Japanese guest. That was Yeah, that was yeah. really amazing. That I I I, I, really, you. I really want to see a Japanese guest next year. I like I want to see another one. I want to interview another Japanese guest. But I understand if they can't make it happen. But I'm so like I'm just floored and blown away with the fact that they had one this year that it's amazing. I I really do feel it's one of those cases where if you, it cons a certain size and you can't afford it, there are some things you should do to make your fandom a better fandom. 
Mm-hmm. And one of those things for a Japanese animation and comic fandom is to get the Japanese guests. Yeah. Is it going to be as big a pull as your voice actors? No. I, I know it's not. But this is one of those things where I really feel it's, it's, it's less of a case of what you could do versus what you should do. Do it. <laughs> so what you should do... Do is go to Dude. Impact. Yes, yeah. boy.